BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Stable Podcast, the official coach podcast of the Fan Sided Network. Man, we are back after a week off. I miss my brothers, man. I miss y'all. I am Rashad McGinnis. I am with my co-host, Michael Terrazas or Michael Teriyaki Sauce, whichever one you prefer, and my other co-host, Dustin Adams. Man, how you guys doing today, man? Uh, Michael, first Michael off, why haven't you changed your Twitter <laughs> handle? Like, why haven't you incorporated the word teriyaki into your Twitter handle yet? I feel like you're just missing a lot of opportunities here. Because if I'm going to be a writer or an analyst for something Colts or Mavs, why the hell would my handle be teriyaki sauce? I mean, that's a future why? thing. You're, you're not that, doing that, that yet? No, no. I'm probably changing my last name to my actual father's last name here in the next couple of months so probably gonna change anyway that new last name resemble a sauce of any kind or uh no the last name's gonna be pivia so uh Mm. not necessarily but hey it's a little bit more catchy catchy than uh terrazas but we'll come up with something rashad i loved the energy you 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 brought out with you know because usually destin's just like Welcome back, Colts fans. Uh, this is another. And then Rashad, like, Man. let's go. Welcome back to the show. I, I've been teaching you well, Rashad. My son, he's growing up. I'm so I'm so proud. Your son who's older than you. But, uh, Ten years older than me. <laughs> but, man, like, 
it's funny that Michael always likes to act like I have no energy because everyone that would that knows me, like my friends, my family, but not that you guys are my friends, it's like people that have known me my entire life, they think I'm too loud. Like my, like they don't let me talk certain certain situations and areas because they feel like I yell and I'm too loud. And then I come on the podcast and Michael thinks because I don't use exclamation points in every <laughs> sentence on the podcast, even though I like to use my exclamation points on Twitter, if you follow me, um, that, that, that I'm not full of energy. I just think it's bullcrap. Um, yeah, if, if your friends get on you, then they're definitely going to hate me 10 times worse. So, uh, yeah, Rashad, what we got going on? Oh, man, you know, we got a fun show, man. We got an action-packed show, a show that, that kind of stressed me out a little bit coming up with what I wanted to come up with. But the first thing we must tackle, man, is something that's important. It's important in society, not just with the team, but we're going to focus on the team aspect and the things surrounding it. We're going to discuss the Colts being among the lowest in the NFL among vaccination rates. Should we be worried? Should the Colts as a franchise be worried about such little vaccinations and how it's going to affect the upcoming season? I'm going to start with you, Dustin. Man, um, it's hard because like this topic is something that I don't deem a football topic. Um, like, right. and, that, and that's the biggest thing to me. So I really try to take football opinions out of it but it's so hard as a fan like i mean it is worrisome that the Colts are on the lowest vaccine numbers because that most likely means that the Colts are going to have to work around these covid guidelines that are in that are in play for unvaccinated players more than the majority of the league um i believe the Colts are among the bottom three teams they haven't released who's the lowest of those three teams but the Colts have one of the three lowest if, if maybe the lowest vaccination numbers. So, I mean, I want to wait until the preseason and season comes around because I feel like there'll be more people trickle in in every team, even the ones that have high vaccination numbers. So I wouldn't say it's the time to worry now. I, I do think that come post-training camp, entering the first week of preseason, if the Colts still are at the same number, I think the fan inside of, Colts fans is allowed to be like, man, we wish they may, we wish that they had a higher vaccination number so we didn't have to deal with it. But this is not a football topic to me. I think everyone needs to look at their family. They need to do the research that they deem. They need to put as much research into it. Cause I feel like this is a really important decision for every household in America right now to make the right choice for themselves, their families and the people that they are raising in that household and, and go from there. I mean, I have heard good arguments from both sides of people that I know that are not vaccinated, people that I know that got vaccinated the first day they could. Um, and it's just something that each person really has to make the right call for themselves. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to this topic, it always reminds me of those political topics between Democrat and Republicans. You know, it's always what's good, what's right, what's what, what needs to be happening. But uh, I've had a couple of arguments on Twitter about it, you know, people trying to say I have degrees in science or whatever the case may be, stuff like that. Um, and if that's the case, please get a job as a medical counselor in the NFL. Cause if you're that qualified to talk about other men's decisions, then please uh, get paid for it. But yeah, I, I don't really have too much to say on, on this topic, man. I'm, I'm aside with Destin on this one right now. Uh, 
I mean, it could be a mindset. I'm not saying it is. I don't have any sources or any conversation with players that back this up, but maybe guys are just waiting to get to camp to get it done. Maybe they're just waiting to get it done by the team. I don't know. And like he said, what if hypothetically there's seven guys vaccinated on the team right now, but the day before week one, there's 35 guys vaccinated. Right. I mean, there's always room uh, for growth. I mean, I I just don't even want to get into this conversation too much. Who has been told what? What are the doctors doing this? What are the players doing? We, we've talked about it enough on Twitter, in my opinion. Um, again, these are grown men. Um, if it comes to a point to where someone has to miss a game, then that's the reality of the situation. They have to miss a game or, or, or something like that. So uh, these are grown men with their families that have sat down and talked with their wives, talked with their families. If their kids are old enough with their kids, I'm not about to come on here and tell Darius Leonard what he should be doing. Cause that's not my family, nor is that my household. So um, yeah, that's all I really have to say on that. Yeah. I don't really have much to say on the topic either. Uh, what I am going to say is that football comes second when making this decision, your family comes first, you got to do what's best for you and you shouldn't let, your teammate, you know, affect that decision. And if none of, if, if any more guys don't get vaccinated, I think the coach would, did an outstanding job last year maintaining when the vaccination wasn't around, but the way they protected their players and the way they ran things and the majority of the roster being disciplined, they was able, they was one of the least effective teams, affected teams out of the whole NFL. And I think Frank Reich and, and Chris Ballard and the guys that do a good job maintaining that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. The last thing I have to say on this, and it literally just popped in my head, uh, someone took it upon themselves to try and call out Chris Ballard and Frank Reich for the reason why these guys aren't vaccinated. Um, guys, Chris Ballard's not a doctor. He's a general manager of football. Uh, he can't make these guys. He's always said they encourage it. Uh, but to try and say it's embarrassing for the franchise, it's really not um so don't blame frank reich who is literally a pastor and a football coach uh, i don't think he went to college for 10 years to study science and bacteria and all that stuff so the other just, funny thing about it is that chris ballard i mean i don't know about frank reich so i'm not going to speak on if he's vaccinated or not um i believe he is from what i've heard but i'm not going to say for 100 fact chris ballard is 100 came out saying he got vaccinated pretty much as soon as he had to um, so I don't understand people getting upset with Chris Ballard when he's somebody who has vocally came out saying he believes people should get vaccinated. He's vocally said he's been vaccinated, but then people are going to say, wow, Chris Ballard's dropping the ball here. Like Chris Ballard, just because he employs these guys, isn't going to make 53. I mean, right. technically going into camp, 90 men, <laughs> 90 men make that decision. But that's just, that's just not how I, I highly works. doubt that he changed their contracts and said, by contract, you have to get vaccinated. I don't think that happened. Probably not Probably not legal currently. And yeah. that's another great point that Dustin brought in, and this will be the last thing we touch on before uh, we, we change gears a little bit. Dustin, they said we're one of the lowest vaccinated teams right now, but every team is carrying 90 people on their roster right now. So almost 40 of those people are going to be cut. Who's to say where we fall at once those 40 people get cut? 
You never know. It's going to be such drastic roster changes between now and the start of the preseason. We may be in the now, middle of a pack by the time. This is a drastic part of the vaccination talk. But do you, do you think there's going to be teams that use whether a player is vaccinated or not who's on the bubble if they make the roster? I bet, I bet there are teams that will. I do. Yeah, I highly I do. doubt. If it's you, someone oh, that's important, like, it, are you talking no, about roster I'm bubble saying, guys? Bubble. Well, yeah, I mean, roster if, bubble. If in, oh, roster bubble guys. Then obviously no. you're not on that bubble. But I'm saying, in, like, in my for opinion, receiver five on most teams, for five, five or six, like those spots that everyone's fighting for, every single team, basically. If you're really close with a few guys, which usually you're going to be near the end of those cuts, I wonder if the vac- if if you're vaccinated or not is going to come into play. It's never going to come out. That's, that's the case. Whole another I, I, no, I'm just telling no. you, like, these are the things I think about. Like, I really do like, think it's going to be highly used. And that's, I do. and that's good thinking, but in my opinion, that's just stupid. That's I'm not stupid. saying it because should be that way. Gonna, no, I, 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 hear me out. You make a great point, and maybe it is possible you're putting yourself in a GM shoes and a scout shoes, a decision maker shoes. And what would I do in this situation? What would I do in that situation? You're using your creativity. My reaction to that is that is stupid, devalues your decision-making values as a man. It goes against everything you've said about building up a franchise. It goes up against everything you've talked about wanting in your locker room. Why, why would you say, hey, man, you didn't get vaccinated. So guess what? You don't get a job. You don't get to put food on the table, even though you earned it. You don't get to get kids Christmas this year. You don't get to do all that. That's just not gonna. That's just not gonna roll with anyone. I'm sorry. I mean, like you said, it'll never come out. I don't know why a team would make it come out, but I'm just saying behind closed doors. If I was a decision maker there, man, if that was even a conversation, I'm probably putting hands on someone. Well, if that happens, you'll probably have to call someone, and we know just the people to call, ain't that right, Dustin? Hey, we do. It's the Ghostbusters. Is, is that is that what is that what it is? Not quite, but Destin Adams no, Law Firm. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no. Um, actually, one call technology. This upcoming topic is the one call technology topic of the day. Thank you so much to one call technology and one tech. One Call Technology is a managed telecom service provider whose senior staff has 100 plus years of experience virtually in every aspect of business communications, business phone system installation and services, managed telecom service providers, telecom carrier management, high-speed internet. Head on over to One Call's website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888 888- 585-8850 and tell them the blue stable guys sent you and please don't call them the ghostbusters <laughs> okay guys we have an interesting interesting topic that we're going to discuss next we're going to do some predictions we like to do predicting we like to use foresight on this podcast so hey guys we're going to predict the coach stat leaders for this upcoming season. We didn't use any quarterbacking stats because that's pretty obvious unless something tragic we happens. We hope it's obvious. Right. Unless something we tragic happens. We all hope happens. you're all saying Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger's on the rise. That means we get to keep our first round pick. Horns up. Horns up, Big 12. Hey, hey, Josh Freeman is making his comeback. Hook them horns? Let me see you hook them horns, Mike. Man, screw them damn horns. <laughs> okay, um, so you, we're not going to do any quarterbacks. We're going to skip right to running back, and we're going to go with rushing touchdowns because we feel like rushing yards would be pretty obvious and pretty front door. 
So we're going to go rushing touchdowns. It's a little bit more interesting. So, uh, Mike, let's lead us off. Who's going to lead the coach in rushing touchdowns? Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I mean, he's going to be the bell cow. He's going to be the one yardage running back there with that freaking tree trunks for legs he has. Uh, the power that he has, it's going to be Jonathan Taylor for me. Dustin. I tried really hard to pick someone not named Jonathan Taylor. I did. I tried to, like, do some magic in my head math of making Carson Wentz. I tried to do it to where I thought Marlon Mack could be the goal line back. The draw. I I tried to re-sign Jacoby Brissett. Oh, Jesus. Just to put him in on the goal line. But, I mean, it's Jonathan Taylor. I just feel like it's – He's too big, too strong not to be the guy giving the ball on the one-yard line. And I just feel like that's going to be the go-to guy down there. Um, I know that this is a deep backfield, um, but like like my, my guy Michael said, he's going to be a bell cow this year. Um, this isn't going to be a running back by committee. It's going to be a Jonathan Taylor, and then when he needs a break, we're going to see Marlon Mack and Hines get in. Yeah, we probably would have been better off doing total touchdowns from the running back position. Then maybe Naheem Hines would have had a shot, but come on, man, let's be serious. Russian touchdowns, like you said, he's the bell cow. He's going to hit a couple uh, 30, 20 yarders, 40 yarders, and he's also going to be the guy getting the goal line touches. So I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor, of course. Now, this next one is a little bit more interesting. Who is going to lead the Indianapolis Colts in receptions? Dustin, let's start with you. Uh, if you said Michael, I was going to interject and go first anyway. Um, I, I, I was just prepared. I wanted dibs. Um, looking at Carson Wentz's past seasons, he's, go, he, he's a guy that – Michael Pittman Jr. Likes to throw <laughs> to bigger receivers. He likes to throw to the tight ends. But something that people are not talking about enough is he actually likes to use the running backs quite a bit when he's able to. And I think I think Naeem Hines is going to lead the team in receptions. Whoa. Okay, all right. Next question. Naeem okay, Hines right. is oh going to lead the team in receptions for the second straight season. I because here's the thing. I like we said on the rushing touchdowns, Jonathan Taylor is going to be the guy um, there, and that's going to cut in to Naeem Hines's snap count. Other than the fact that he's one of the best receiving backs in the NFL. He's going to get used there. He's going to get time in. We're going to see more two-back systems this year than we probably have seen in the last couple of years. And I think Naeem Hines is going to get a ton of work. I'm going Naeem Hines with receptions. And this is something I feel confident enough that I'd bet in Vegas on. Okay, so my guy is going to be the guy that Carson Wentz has been working with nonstop this offseason. Michael Strachan. Michael Strachan. The chemistry (laughs) is already there. They understand each other. Um, it's going to be Michael Pittman for me. I don't think this is anything shocking. This is like what I'm truly basing on chemistry work. They've been, they have probably over a thousand reps together already in seven on seven. So that they understand each other. Carson Wentz understands Michael Pittman as a wide receiver. Uh, obviously we'll learn him a little bit more once they get in 11 on 11 in training camp, but these guys have told each other each other's tricks their secrets what they do as a quarterback what they do as a wide receiver it's going to be michael Pittman for me we're going to have three different answers i'm going with the veteran the guy mr indianapolis Colts, right now ty hilton i think this is going to be a resurging season for him i'm not quite sure if he'll if he'll finish with a thousand yards more on that later 
Um, I think T.Y. is going to have a big year. Though. I, I think he's going to get used in the, the way Nelson Aguilar was used in the old Eagles offense during their Super Bowl run. I think he'd be an upgrade over Nelson Aguilar, of course, in that system. But I think he's going to get used similar. He's going to catch a lot of passes, I think, in the short game as well. I think that's going to help him he's in the short game. And, of course, he's an over-the-top threat still at his age. So he is going to get some work in the short game whenever Naeem Hines decides to leave the field. Whatever, can you pitch a Naheem Hines? Ty being second fiddle to Naheem Hines. You heard that, Mike? Only, only in receptions. And I, said, him, I, I, and I said only in the short game. If we're gonna quote me, we're gonna <laughs> quote me correctly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This next topic, I mean, this next category is gonna be receiving touchdowns. I'm going first, and it's gonna be Michael Pittman Jr. Okay, it's gonna be Michael Pittman Jr. Big body guy, great. The model red zone target. He's the perfect red zone target. He's going to get the jump balls that he didn't get with Phillip Rivers last year. He's going to get the, sh- the plays where he takes a short route, maybe the distance. We saw him do it a little last season, only once, but we did see it. And he showed flashes of it. He broke a lot of long plays off in the short game. Michael's smiling from ear to ear. I know he's happy with that pick. Yeah, I believe in Michael Pittman. And he's a former Trojan, so. And because hey, at least know someone Michael... has shown at least someone has shown that they believe in Michael Pittman. But before you go, Destin, I'm actually gonna put my <laughs> pick in. Thank you very much. Okay, this is the blue stable, not the Destin Adams stable. All right. So uh I love, I love, love, love Rashad's pick, okay? But I'm not going Michael Pittman Jr. Surprise. I am going to go with a guy who I'm going to bank on his size. I'm going to bank on his red zone ability. I'm going to bank on Frank Reich being the smart genius of an offensive coach that he is. And he's going to scheme this guy open because he's going to be better than Jack Doyle. Kylan Granson needs to grow. I'm going to go with Mo what? Cox. <laughs> this is this I, is strictly I, to get people to stop tweeting at him. I'm saying it right now. This is strictly am, because he wants people to stop tweeting at him. Look, look I'm going look, to get a lottery look, ticket. I'm look, going to get a lottery ticket. Look, I am banking on Frank Reich being the genius that he is, that we believe he is. Why would you not scheme Mo Ali Cox open? Why are you going to do a jump ball with T.Y. Hilton, but not do one with what six seven Mo Ali Cox. Why why would you not do that? I mean, his wingspan, his hands, and Mo Ali Cox does have ability in the red zone. He can beat a double team. I think he's a solid route runner, short, short route runner than he is a long route runner. So I trust that ability in the short game, and I trust Frank Reich and Carson Wentz with those big targets. Mo Ali Cox is my tight end one, tight end one, Mike. For this team, yes. Because <laughs> Zach Ertz is obviously not coming. So, I mean, I guess this is just perfect for how we're going to set this up because I believe Mo Cox has murdered someone in Michael's family. 
and for some reason, Michael believes that I have a vendetta against Michael Pittman, and I'm going to pick Michael Pittman for receiving touchdowns. Um, the only people that I really considered was the tight end position to beat him out, just because, like Michael said, I think the, we're going to see a lot more throw-ups in the end zone this year than we've seen in the past. Um, I think that's just where Carson Wentz is going to be able to score a lot in this next year. And not seeing Pittman do it last year was a travesty. Um, it was it was just dumb not seeing him do it over Considering and over and over. Considering how many one on ones he had in the red zone in the Exce- inside the five, especially yeah, exactly. And so I am saying Pittman. Um, the main reason I went away from the tight ends is because we run a tight end by committee. Frank Reich likes to scheme them all in here and there, depending on the formation. Um, I th- I think it's it's going to be close in the snap counts at the end of the year between the three of them. I think Granson will still end up being third, but I really do think it's going to be a close um, to see who gets the more snaps there. And for that reason, I have Pittman getting the most touchdowns. Um, I just think he's too talented. Um, I think he's just going to get a lot more opportunity this year. And I, I'm excited to see the jump he makes in year two. Year two is huge for a lot of rookies, but it's huge for receivers. Don't don't let Desden fool you, fans. Okay, he wanted Elijah Moore over Michael Pittman. Okay, stop the stop the blasphemy. <laughs> I wish if I really do wish if Michael wanted to use this weird debate of me hating Michael Pittman that he would at least use the ones that I've actually said because I never once asked for Elijah Moore to be a Colt. Um, I just scouted the entire draft because I love the draft. Um, oh wait, I got it wrong. Cardarius Tony. See, again, hey. you're, you're just not going people that I wanted the Colts to take. It's just weird to me. But uh, either way, I think he's going to lead the team in receiving touchdowns. That was the question. That is the answer. I like Michael Pittman a lot. I think he's a guy who can be a number one in the future. I just think it's a good thing that he is not being forced to be it this year. And through these first two uh, categories we did for receivers so far, I think that's a testament to how deep this receiving room is because we all been having varying answers you know, most receiving rooms, like, if this question was asked in Green Bay, this would probably all be Devontae Adams. You see what I'm saying? See, we're all having all these different answers, and Zach Pascoe is going to lead the team in everything. Exactly. Oh, That's the way it's going to go. So, for the last one for receiving, we're going to do receiving yards. I am interesting to hear this. We're going to start with the person that left off last, Dustin Adams. Yeah, I have T.Y. Hilton. Um, I'll be short and sweet about it. I think T.Y.'s the biggest thing he was really missing with Rivers was the deep shots. And I think T.Y. is still going to be the go-to in the deep shots down the field. I think T.Y. is going to get back to being able to use that one-two step at the line of scrimmage to beat a guy, get downfield, make that play. And I think he's going to lead the team in receiving yards. I don't know if I'm willing to bet on it being a 1,000 yards yet. I don't know if we'll have an 1,000-yard receiver this year just because of how spread out I think it's going to be. But if we do have one, I think he's going to be the closest. So I would say T.Y. Hill. You got Mike. Man, this one this one was a little bit tough uh, to pinpoint. And like Rashad said, it just speaks to how deep we are about not necessarily how deep but how much competition there is and – because some guys just haven't proven it yet, we do believe there is a lot of depth here. So I'm going to go with Michael Pittman. If you're going to lead, lead the team in receptions, you got to lead in yards, in my opinion. Uh, so, And I do like what Destin said when it came to the deep shot with T.Y. Hilton. I was also thinking Paris Campbell for receiving yards. I was also thinking that because of the deep shot and all the, the crossers and everything that he could possibly get. But Michael Pittman, I'm just counting 
I'm counting on this big jump that he's going to make. The the chemistry he already has, the belief he has from Mike Grove, from Frank Reich. I mean, they're going to scheme this guy open. They're going to make Carson Wentz throw the ball to him. And I am really expecting a big year from Michael Pittman. I just – he has it all to be great in this league. Not good. He has it all – to be great and i think a tcu coach just followed me on twitter but uh anyways yes yeah. michael Pittman jr is the pick for me and this is going to be another answer where we have three different answers because i am going with the most explosive wide receiver weapon that we have a guy that i think is finally going to be healthy for the first time in his career for a full season i'm going with cam uh, we've seen him lead the team in receiving yards and receptions after week one when he got hurt in the, uh, after the Jacksonville game, when he got hurt early in week two. I just think it's all there for him this season. I think he can – he's a, the one guy that, that really can – instant offense on this team. I mean, aside from Naheem Hines, of course, yeah. who I also think is explosive as well. But Paris Campbell has the speed, big playability. He has the ability to turn every play into a big play. He's not quite the possession guy that Michael Pittman is, but he's a guy that that can catch a ball, catch a drag route, and take it 40, 50 yards, you know, if the the opportunity is there. He's blazing fast. He has the hands. He has the ability. He has every ability but availability. And we all know how, you know, the best ability is availability. We just need him to be healthy, and I think – this is going to be the year normally happens to me in year three for most receivers. Although Paris is behind schedule a little bit due to injuries. I think this will be the year if we finally so see. I, I like the league. aggressive pick in Paris Campbell. I mean, all of us will be, I think it'll be a win if he plays over 10 games this year um, as a Colts fan, just to see what he can do. Um, I just think that's the biggest thing this year is to see who you have in Paris Campbell. The biggest reason I don't know if it's, in the cards for Paris Campbell to lead the team is just because I think Pittman and TY are going to be the guys that are the, are, are the outside guys, no matter what, really. I mean, TY will move around, but TY will be on the field the most of any of those receivers. The thing about Paris Campbell is I don't know who, like, I mean, I know there's going to be a split in the third most snaps in the fourth, like getting the ball where there's got to be, because pass has got to be on the field. Paris is going to have to be on the field. I'm, I'm interested to see how they do it. I don't like, I would love to see him lead the team in receiving. Cause again, the biggest thing this year is to see what you have in Paris Campbell. And if that's a guy who can lead the team in receiving, then way to go. Way to go. Chris Ballard. Um, that number one Jersey fixed everything for Paris Campbell. Um, I'd love to see <laughs> it. I'm still going to Y. And hopefully he can stop being ridiculed for taking him over DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. And yeah. Stuff like that. It, when it comes to Paris Campbell in year three, honestly, man, Kind of like I've said with Quiddy Pay in the past, I'm going to lower my expectations. I'm not going to expect big things because I think we're expecting him to come back a monster as if he was a pro bowler before he went down. No, he was a rookie who needed to be developed but never got to develop because he was always focusing on rehabbing. So this year, I want him to focus on his fundamentals, his technique, his route running, and hopefully all of that will come together by week 11, week 12 because – Again, he hasn't developed yet. So he's been focused on doctor checkups, appointments, x-rays, MRIs, rehabs, physical therapy. He's been focusing on all of that. 
Now in year three, I'm actually going to lower my expectations. And honestly, I'm kind of ashamed. I didn't think about it sooner, but I'm going to lower my expectations for Paris Campbell because of those things. I want him to focus on the basics. Well, you referenced uh, a player, Quiddy Pay. And speaking of Quiddy Pay, he's he's going to be a date for our next topic because we're going to head over to the defensive side of the ball. And we're going to discuss who is going to lead the Indianapolis Colts in sacks. And I'm going to just go ahead and get mine out the way, man. I got DeForest Buckman. Let's not overthink this uh he's a 10 sack a year kind of guy he had nine last year i believe he missed the game with covid due to the covid he he's that great of a defensive tackle we'll more on that later rashad i'm gonna ask you dustin rashad who you got i'm going i'm going to forrest buckner as well um, I was muted just because I wanted to, you know, pause for dramatic effect for me to give the obvious answer. Nice. But uh, DeForest Buckner, just because, I mean, like you said, I think he's a guy that if I look at, I think can get 10 sacks. And as much as I like Quiddy Pay, as much as I would love to see some of these other guys take steps forward, I wouldn't put a dollar on anyone else getting near 10 sacks this year. I would love to see it. Right. And I think people have the potential to do it. But I wouldn't – if I'm a betting man, which – Mama, I hope you're not listening. I am. I'm not putting a dollar on anybody else but DeForest Buckner getting 10 sacks this year. Mike, don't do this, bro. So, so wait, we're just going to talk about sacks and not mention Isaac Rochelle? We're going to just forget about the great Isaac Rochelle. The guy who is is so athletic, who is so strong. Hey, no no ridicule on Isaac Rochelle right now, okay? I've had conversations – with him and his wife on them coming on the show, okay? No ridicule in Isaac Rochelle. We want to hear from you both. We want to talk about your TikTok life, your Colts life. Yes. Okay, I just want to give still a shout out to Isaac. I still want to say, I just wanted to give a shout out to Isaac Rochelle, okay? Of course, it's going to be DeForest Buckner because there's just so many options to choose from on this oh-so-dominant defensive line. Um, I mean, freaking Kamoko Toure off of an all-pro all season, is about to come back, Quiddy Pay, out of, you know, having 30 sacks in college at Michigan, is about to come up and get a 15. Like, guys, really? I mean, DeForest Buckner, man, come on. What what, what are we doing? I think Kenny Moore is not getting enough love. Wow. <laughs> That's funny. I think our next Darius one, Leonard. It, well, uh, maybe you have Darius Leonard in our next topic because the next category we're going to do is – Who's going to lead the Indianapolis Colts in tackles? Michael, we're going to lead with you. Darius Leonard. Uh, it's pretty simple to me. He's going to be all over the field. He's going to be in the run game, especially a little bit more now because Anthony Walker is gone. He's going to take a little bit of a bigger step forward. Not a bigger step forward, but he's going to take on a little bit of that, little bit of that responsibility because of the leader he is. He's going to demand that spot. He's still going to be the play caller for this defense. Pass coverage, blitzing, run game, uh, maybe punt return uh hey man it, it's gonna be Darius Leonard for me yeah I'm, I'm gonna say Darius Leonard I do think it could end up being close it just kind of depends on some things Bobby Okariki is gonna be playing a little bit different of a role so we could see him going there um I mean we're gonna see someone new um coming into the lineup as well at the Sam spot this year 
and we'll see what happens. We're going to see what happens in the defense. But Darius Leonard is my pick still just because, again, I just couldn't put money on anybody else right now. But this is always going to be something I bring up about Darius Leonard as much as I love him. He's not shown that he can play a full season. He hasn't yeah. yet. Yeah. And I just don't know if you can continually lead the team in tackles if you're not playing every single game. Guys like Kari Willis are all over the field. Wasn't um, it last year that some, like Stephen Holder, I think it was Stephen Holder that like tried to escalate his comments by saying Darius Leonard almost retired last year because of a concussion. Maybe was that it? it I don't know if it was Stephen Holder. I don't, I don't want to like name anybody. There was no, an article think, that came I out last year. I think it was. I think there it was. was. A, there was an article that came out last year right after one of the like after he missed some time he missed like three or four games in a row because the concussion three in a row and he and he was saying that he was in a, and Darius Leonard said that he was in a dark spot mentally and he's been really big into the sticks um kicking the stigma um campaign the Colts have really kick-started and the Ursay family has kick-started and hey like I said we don't know if he's gonna play every single game but I know Darius Leonard is the leader ver- verbally mentally of that team so I'm gonna go Darius Leonard uh, shout out to Darius Leonard and the Maniac Foundation. Um, I am going to go with Bobby Okariki, future okay. Hall of Famer. Um, I think Bobby Okariki is set for a breakout year this year. You know, after splitting time with, oh my God, I'm blinking. I'm blinking. Anthony Walker. Anthony after Walker. splitting time with Anthony Walker, he's going to be the full time Mike. He's always healthy, pretty much. You've seen him play with, with a cast on and, and be productive. The guy is just a talented, rangy linebacker, can play sideline to sideline, can fill in a run, can make plays in, in the passing game. But I think he's going to be all over the field. And I think he's going to lead the team in tackles for one reason and one reason only. You guys spoke about it. I won't dwell on it. But Darius Leonard has yet to prove that he can play 16 games, now 17 games, on a consistent basis. So I'm going to go Bobby Okariki. All hey, right. No one said Kari Willis, but I'm telling you, Kari Willis is going to be up there. Think so? I do. I, I he I think he, especially with Anthony Walker leaving, who was really really was a big leader on the defense, mm-hmm. whether or not people loved him Absolutely. as a player or not. I have heard, and I just think Kari Willis is going to be someone that swallows a lot of that. A lot of people think Darius Leonard is just going to take it all, and I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it was a bigger Kari hole. Willis is going to be in the box a lot more not necessarily because the coaching staff believes in him which they do but i think it has a bigger point of emphasis on what julian blackman can do on his own in the backfield playing cover three or cover one which is a great segue to the next question because we're really good at these segues for you the, rashad the, the next yeah it's just alley open man and who am i not to throw him down so the very last thing we're going to predict for the coach this upcoming season is who is going to lead them in interceptions. I'll go first. Mike mentioned my answer. It is Julian freaking Blackman. The guy's a playmaker. We saw him have an instant impact as soon as he was inserted into the defense. He kind of tailed off, hit a rookie wall toward the end of the season, which is expected. But this year, having a full offseason with the ones, getting the reps, and focusing on ways to get better, I think he's going to be an absolute stud in years to come. Chris Ballard absolutely loves him and Kahari. So I'm going to go with Julian Blackman to lead the team in interceptions. That's so I'll go next. Um, it's got to be Carson Wentz. Um, Carson Wentz is going to lead the team. What? In 
the hell? Oh, okay. That was but, good. That was to good. be serious, to be serious, um, I'm going to go Julian Blackman as well. Um, I just think th- we saw how trusting um, Eberflus and the defensive side coaching staff trusted him last year to be able to use his instincts on the ball. I think he's going to get better. I think that's something they're going to work on it with him throughout training camp. I'm sure it's something he's been working on throughout the off season, being able to use those to make plays on the ball at a higher rate. Um, it's him or Kenny Moore for me. Um, I think those two will be it. Xavier Rhodes was up there last year as well. Um, I just think Kenny Moore, how Kenny Moore and how Julian Blackman are used. I think they'll be in better situations to lead the team interception. So I'll say Julian Blackman. I'm going to say Julian Blackman as well, because oh. in my, in my opinion, I mean, if you're Julian Blackman and you're looking back at last year and what hurt you in the secondary the most, everyone was picking on Rocky Sin. So coming in, like, in your offseason, why would you not be watching that same tape? Why would you not be watching that tape of what happened on those plays against Rock? What could you have done? And now you're trying to work on that in the offseason. You're going to try and work on that in training camp, in classroom all that stuff. And in the season, who knows? Iberflus might make it a point of emphasis to throw coverage and help out Rockison with Julian Blackman, you know, double covering. I mean, we're going to play some good wide receivers this year. So I'm actually banking on that because he's going to be helping out Rockison a lot in my opinion. That's just that's just how I look at it. Uh and I also do. I do want to say this about Rocky Asin, though, that you can mark this down on a bold take. Today is July 19th, 2021. It is a Monday night. It is 10.53 Eastern time when I say this. If Rocky Asin leads the Colts in interceptions, the Colts are playing in the AFC Championship game. Oh, Jesus. Wow. That's that that that's a very bold Not take. Sure I, I understand how the two correlate. If because uh, but, I'm saying if if Rock leads the team in interceptions, that to me means that Rock is playing the best Rock that he can be. And to me, you add that type of playmaker, that type of aggressive corner to this defense. It could mean that Xavier Rose took a step back. <laughs> hey, hey, I've already told you guys that's gonna happen. See but uh, so in that, that that could happen as well. But I'm just telling you right now. Okay. If Rocky Asin can lead this team in interception. Write it down, Mike. I mean, two guys from last year's draft class, I'm expecting huge, huge jumps from because I've already mentioned Michael Pittman. I'm also mentioning, I'm also going to say Julian Blackman. Like, like I've said, this guy is primed. I mean, I've we, we all saw it. And I went back and watched more tape last year. Just fundamentally, X and X's and O's wise, digesting plays, breaking down plays while they were happening, his reaction time. This dude was playing like a seven-year vet on the field. I mean, I saw him do things that Cam Chancellor was doing in his prime, and Julian Blackman was a rookie. Stuff that Earl Thomas was doing in it, and he was a rookie. I mean, the way his reaction time, his speed, his understanding – I mean, he just doesn't fall step. He doesn't second. He did some second guessing, but a lot of things last year, especially in that Vikings game, that that's when he came onto the scene. When he broke that pass up over the middle of the field at the 50 yard line in the logo against Adam Thielen, that was just a beautiful play. His head 
landed right on the elbow, knocking the ball out. I mean, it was beautiful. So I'm going to say Julian Blackman leads this team in interceptions. And honestly, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I think he gets second team all pro next year. And how good, man, hey, I love Julian Blackman. I love me some Julian Blackman. But we are living in our, man, I don't want people coming at my throat, but in arguably one of the better safety generations that we've seen in a very long time. We have so many good safeties across the NFL right now. And and from the way it sounds, the way Michael's talking about him, it sounds like Mike thinks he's going to be a top 10 safety which is a good segue to our last segment of the day. Had to, had, had to make one up there. Yeah, I had to come with one on the spot. <laughs> I mean, Y'all didn't I mean, give me I, any I mean I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say of all our segues tonight, that was the worst one, but I do appreciate the attempt. <laughs> I do. I do appreciate the attempt. Look, that's what happens when you give Giannis the ball at the top of the key behind the three-point line. He's not really good at creating. <laughs> you, you got oop crazy. I get it. Right. <laughs> so – Y'all, if, for those of y'all that didn't hear the show last week, we started a segment that's called Top 10, where we break down who we think is the top 10 at their respective positions. Last week, we did quarterback and edge rusher. And today, we're going to do running backs and interior defensive line. We can start with running backs, guys. And I believe we do, how do we do it? We do it 10 through 6, right? Yeah, so we do 10 through 6, then 5 through 1. If you have any honorable mentions, say those before you start 10 through mm-hmm. 6. Okay. okay. I, I want to start. Okay. We can lead can off, start? We can lead can off with Mr. you, Mike. We're doing running backs Mr. first. McGinnis. Running right. backs first, Mike. So I'm not doing honorable mentions. So I'm just okay. not doing that. Um, so number 10, I'm going to have our guy, Jonathan Taylor. I think last year, you know, got off to a slow start. If you were a fan of us last year, at another network, I, I, I mean, me and Destin went back and forth a lot. Well, not really back and forth, but we kept talking about Jonathan Taylor's slow start. And I say he just needs to calm down. He needs to settle down, stop trying to go for the big hit. Let, let your offensive line create the hole. And when he did that, he became a monster. When you look at the acceleration he went for, what did he become a 1,000 yard rusher after he had like, 300 yards after week eight nine yeah and the fact that he already became a 1000 yard rusher the third leading rusher in the league he you got to get a top 10 spot in in my opinion number nine for me is going to be joe mixon out of cincinnati i think this guy does not get enough love he doesn't get enough love um he was so good at oklahoma and he's doing exactly what he did at oklahoma in cincinnati number eight for me is going to be Antonio Gibson out of out of Washington. I think what he showed last year, Washington didn't have much of a passing attack, but they relied on him a lot in the backfield to do a lot of things, and he absolutely did his part. I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson. I really like the way he plays the position. Number seven, man, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but I know he's talented. Number seven, I'm gonna go with Ezekiel Elliott. I'm gonna going gonna go with him. Uh, uh, body structure, I think he's still a great uh, running back. Still great out of the backfield catching the ball. I I think he's still got some talent. I know the Cowboys suck and everything, but it doesn't mean that their running back sucks. I I wouldn't say that. 
Number six, I am going to have... <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am just not interested in the running back class. Um, class? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Not class, but I'm just uninterested in the, in the running back position. But number six, I have Alvin Kamara. Uh, I think he's pretty solid on the run game, but his biggest attribute is when he catches the ball out of the backfield. And that is part of the running back position. And when you're able to do that, be that difference maker with your hands, that, that counts for something. So he's number six. Go ahead, Dustin. I'm, so go. We'll, we'll comment after, but honorable yeah. mentions, yeah. Um, guys that didn't quite make it. Um, I'm not going to say this is exactly 11, 12, 13 in that order, but these three guys didn't make it for me. Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, and Joe Mixon. All three were not in my top 10. Joe Mixon, I've drafted you in the first round in fantasy way too many times. You've hurt me so many times in the last few years. Okay. Okay. So I I think he's talented. Get personal feelings out of it. No, oh, I'm about to explain. I think he's talented, but. The biggest thing is availability and running backs is one of the hardest positions to just snap a finger and stop being injury prone. So I'm concerned that he's not going to be a guy that ever stays healthy. So I'm not going to keep, I'm going to keep him out of there because of that. Chris Carson, I think he's a guy that doesn't get talked about enough because of how consistent he is. Um, He does struggle with injuries here and there, but he's a guy that has been a thousand yard rusher behind a terrible offensive line in Seattle. And just is very consistent part of this in the NFL right now. And Aaron Jones, the guy that I bet you guys have in your top 10. And I'm sorry. I just, I think the green Bay line, the passing game they have has overblown him talent wise. And I really think before his contract's up, AJ Dillon's going to be the starter there. I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of this year, AJ Dillon has take, taken over running back one in Green Bay. So going into the top 10 now, at number 10, I have Austin Eckler out of the Chargers. Um, to me, a big thing of the running back position now is the ability to catch the ball. Um, very few guys are able to be elite without the ability to catch the ball anymore. There are a couple that still don't do it, but it's really important nowadays. And Austin Eckler is one of the best at it. Um, and also, I think he doesn't get enough credit for his field vision. So I have him at 10. Number nine, one of the one of the running backs last year that just tore it up the second half of the season, and that's David Montgomery. Um, I think David Montgomery was on the verge of being a bust-type draft pick for the Bears. Um, watching him the second half of last year, the vision that I saw him have, his ability to hit the hole with a fierceness after Cohen got hurt. I, I love what David Montgomery turned into last year, and I think he's talented, and I think he's going to be talented for a long time. At number eight, I have Ezekiel Elliott. I think Ezekiel Elliott is one of, if not a top five talent, skill, like God-given talent running back in the NFL. But – Effort is a big part of this position. It's a big part of sports. And Ezekiel Elliott too often lacks in the effort category. And for that reason, I'm going to have him at eight. At seven, I have Jonathan Taylor. Um, what, what he was able to do the second half of the season, I think skill, effort, power, his ability to catch the ball already is something he wasn't really able to do at a high rate at Wisconsin. I think it's unheard of for a rookie just to come in and do that. And at number six, I have Nick Chubb. 
um, from the Browns, a little bit lower than you probably guys have him. Um, I think just because he has to split time with Kareem Hunt, he still leads the backfield, obviously. Um, having a second guy there is a pitch count type and a guy who got injured last year and has not shown that he can play a full season. And the top five running backs I have above him, I just think are better. Um, so I have Nick Chubb at six. You guys are so disrespectful, man. <laughs> oh, Jesus. My, my God. Uh, honorable mentions, I have three of them. Um, we're going to start with Jonathan Taylor. He's my honorable mention. I just need to see him do it again. Uh, Talk about I don't have, disrespectful. I don't have anybody coming off of their rookie season. I damn sure don't got Antonio Gibson at eight. Man, that was nuts. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. Jonathan Taylor is my honorable mention. Talent uh, Chris, is nuts. Chris Carson is an honorable mention for all the reasons Dustin said about what he's been doing behind that terrible uh, offensive line. And Austin Eckler is my last honorable mention just because he I'm can't. I'm telling your brother. I'm telling your brother, Rashad. He can't stay healthy. Austin Eckler cannot stay healthy. Your brother. Your Can brother has to okay. know from being when he was with the Chargers for a bit of time how talented Austin Eckler is. Mel, Melvin Gordon was still a man, and we haven't seen Eckler be a bell cow yet. Mm-hmm. Which takes me to number 10, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has been putting up numbers w- with one of the worst offensive lines, the same offensive line that has on life alert right now. If, go look at a Joe Mixon highlight reel. He's getting hit in the backfield on all these plays, and he still make, finds a way to make plays. Like Dustin said, his health is a bit of a concern, but when you have an offensive line that's allowing you to get punished like this, health is always going to be a concern. That's my number 10. Number nine is somebody that wasn't mentioned by either one of you guys. I guess you guys are not high on him, but all he has done is produce since he's been in the league. Josh Jacobs from the Las Vegas Raiders. He's a guy that's super productive. If you look up his numbers, Mike's giving me the sour face, but he's better than Antonio Gibson right now. So uh, my number eight is Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Dustin mentioned it, the effort. He just doesn't, it doesn't, he's trying hard out there at all times, you know, and when his team really needed, needed him to step up, when Andy Dalton was playing terrible, but they were still somehow in close games, they just couldn't get anything out of Ezekiel Elliott. It was like he phoned it in last year, and I don't appreciate it. And my number seven, the disrespect from Dustin Michael Adams. Aaron Jones is my number seven. Coming off back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, 25 touchdowns in the last two years. That's just rushing. He's caught 50 balls each year for the past two years. I will bet you $100 right now we can shake on it. A.J. Dillon will not be the starter by the end of this season. Do you want to take the bet, Dustin? So I said that I think he will definitely take over before Aaron Jones' contract ends. Man, I said yes I wouldn't or be, no! And I said I wouldn't be shocked if he takes over the, at the end of the season. But, as I said earlier, I ain't putting money on that because I think it's more likely that he keeps a job this year. But so, no, I wouldn't do this year. Now, if you want to make a bet on the contract as its whole. I think he just signed a new contract, though, right? Aaron Jones just did. Yeah. So that's about four or five. Million. I wouldn't bet three. on that. Three years. Is, is it three years? I'm pretty positive it's three years. OK, double check. that. I wouldn't bet on a running back, though. He's already, what, 24, 25 as he gets older. No, I'm not going to bet on that. But I'll take the bet. 
for this year. I guarantee he's too productive. He's too good at what he does. I can't believe Dustin disrespected this man. And you talk about help. He shows up every day with his hard hat on, ready to work. So I won't do $100 because my wife will kill me if she listens to the episodes and hears that I bet $100. But I'll do a dinner bet right dinner now bet. that Aaron Jones loses his job to A.J. Dillon before the end of the season. And I'll shake on it right now. Okay. Okay. Dinner. Now, injuries obviously um, no, get injuries. rid of the bet. If an injury right. comes right. in, the bet's right. gone. I mean, that's – a part yeah. of sports, but they both they I'll both have it. to be healthy. They both I'll have get, to be I'll the get deal. aggressive. I'll get aggressive. I'm down. Let's do it. Dinner, dinner. Okay. I like that. And, and my number six, since I held y'all up a little bit with the bet. My number six, I'll keep it short and sweet, is Saquon Barkley, strictly only because of injuries. We know physically he can easily be number one or two on this list. The how physically gifted he is as a running back. But the injuries got him at number six for me. So are you, Mike? Five so, through one. It's a five through one, and then we'll react. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and say this: Saquon Barkley is not on my list because you gotta show me something, and because he's been in New York, he hasn't shown me anything. He's got the best, probably the best legs in the entire NFL. That might uh, be probably AJ probably <laughs> probably the best athlete in the NFL, but. You took Antonio Gibson over Saquon Barkley? Mike has a list that has Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson has had more success than Saquon Barkley. No, he's not. Stop that. Stop it. Why? Because he's not a big game and didn't get a rookie award like Saquon did? the only pass I'm giving you on this is because I know you dislike the running back position and probably don't watch it as much. But that's true, man. I can't hold you to that. What you just said that Saquon that Gibson has shown more than Saquon Barkley was on a whole nother level of disrespect. What has Saquon, and I'm going to give you one pass for it. So don't what, say it again. You got a pass. Has, go on to your number five and talk about it. We don't got to talk about who's not on your list no more. Saquon Barkley at 1,300 yards as a rookie. Okay. All right. Just go ahead. Just, go, ahead, just go to your five. Just go to your five, Michael. Just do it. I got to fan myself. You're good, Michael. Your pass has already been given. Just go to five through one, and we're gonna we're gonna go. He was a first team All Pro. <laughs> Off his name recognition or talent. So, all right. Uh, Michael, don't say it but again. for the fact, for the fact that um, what was it? Uh, Rashad said, "Oh, now everyone's gonna say I'm a Saquon hater." All of a sudden, apparently, he had 91 um, but, catches that year. Um, yeah, because he can't run for shit. Um, so anyways, <laughs> I'm doing too much with that one, but, uh, hey, hey, nah, you so, so the fact that Rashad wanted to say I was disrespectful when he didn't even let me continue my list at number five, I have Aaron Jones. Okay. At okay. Five, okay. It's Aaron Jones okay. for me. Right. Okay. The All guy, right. like you said, has shown up, shown out when Devonte Adams is not open and another dude who's a cashier at Arby's during the season <laughs> has a job at wide receiver. Aaron Jones is the guy to go to. I just got to give him his credit. Number four, I have Nick Chubb. Uh, the dude is a beast. High stepping, high tailing, Gus Johnson style. I mean, the dude is just one of the talented running backs in the league. I don't even care that he splits with Kareem Hunt because he's clearly the more dominant running back than Kareem Hunt. Number three for me is going to be Christian McCaffrey. I mean, obviously, everyone's number one fantasy uh, draft pick, uh, in my opinion. I'm not that big into fantasy. so. Um, but Christian McCaffrey runs the ball, catches it, jukes everybody and their mama. 
Um, I mean, he can juke you out of your shoes and you're at the MRI in the next three hours. So that's just my thing with me. At number two, I have Dalvin Cook. The guy carried the Minnesota Vikings. He literally made them good. Uh, uh, and he <laughs> he's just a damn good running back, man. I mean, he's a guy who probably could have been an Indianapolis Colt, but obviously it worked out for both teams. Minnesota got a great guy, and they're okay. The Colts got a talented Jonathan Taylor, and we're great. So I think it worked out for both teams. And obviously, number one, uh, I'm going to have Marlon Mack. I'm just kidding. I have Derrick Henry. (laughs) I don't think I need to say anything else about Derrick Henry. Um, He literally turned Josh Norman into a floor mat. Um, I mean, he didn't do Kari Willis or Julian Blackman like that. So I don't now, know could he is. now? Could he? Yes. I mean, um, he, uh, could he possibly? Uh, hopefully, our boys you... are just smart enough not to put themselves in that situation on national I mean, television. But here's the thing: you keep on saying, "Could he? Could he?" It's not about could he. Did he? Could you beat me in a fight? Maybe, but you won't. Can Derrick Henry truck Julian Blackman? He could. But he won't because Mm. Julian Blackman is going to go low. He's not going to be like every other defender, go for the big hit. He's just going to put you on the ground and get you a three-yard loss that week. Did see that last season. Oh, come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, yeah, Derrick Henry, obviously number one, uh, the king at the running back position. So that's that's my list. We're we're reacting after. We're reacting after, Destin. Five. At number five, I have Saquon Barkley. The only reason he's only at five and not higher is because of the injury last year. We have to see how he responds to that. But, I mean, when Barkley's been on the field, he's been unreal. Like, he's a guy who, I mean, as big as he is and as strong as he is, has impacted in the past game as well. That's something people don't talk about on Saquon Barkley's name enough. But he's a dual threat in the backfield. If he wasn't injured, he'd be higher for me, but I have him at five. At four, I have Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is going to be – his usage rate at the end of this season, if Taysom Hill takes the most snaps at quarterback this year, y'all, he might break a record. Alvin Kamara may break a record for usage rate in the NFL this year. And Alvin Kamara may get maybe forced to retire in four seasons because he's at running back if this happens. But dude's talent. He's going to be used in both sides of the ball. I mean, both areas, pass and run in the ball, in the, in the football game here. And who he's so good. But yeah. number three, Christian McCaffrey. This is not a fantasy list for anybody listening. Like, holy crap, I took him at 1-1 in fantasy. Was I an idiot? No. Christian McCaffrey – best dual threat in the NFL, especially in the past game. Just his usage there is incredible. He, The touchdowns he's able to get from the past game, his ability to run after catch is something that's unheard of at the running back position. And number two, I have Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, I think, is just so talented. Um, there are very few guys I think have better field awareness, field vision than Dalvin Cook. Um, there was a there was a game last year where I saw Dalvin Cook hit the brakes, and I don't even know how he saw the guy coming. Dalvin Cook hits the brakes better than anybody I've ever seen in my life. 60 to zero, back to 60 in no time. Dalvin Cook. And at number one, Derek Henry, King Henry, DH2K. I don't know what you want to call him, man, but like, dude is unreal. I hate having to play him twice a year. The Colts have a good run defense, and I'm still, Colts have one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Yeah. And I'm still concerned about playing Derek Henry. 
um, twice a year. It's circle every game because of it. And he or he's the best running back in football. He deserves it. He was in the MVP discussion last year for a reason at a position that has such small value that it's shocking that he was even in the discussion. Um, my number five is going to be Elvin Kamara. And the only reason he's number five is because he's a running back that has never rushed for a thousand yards, but we all know what he's truly special at. And that's in the past game. Like if this was a top 10 weapons list, he would be, that much higher on his list that's how talented he is he's the ultimate weapon I don't really even view him as a running back per se because they just find so many unique ways Sean Payne do a great job of getting him touches and the only thing I'm going to push back a little bit on Dustin is I don't think Taysom Hill will get the bulk of the snaps but if he did I hope I hope you're right. I hope I hope it's Jameis season. I think it'll be Jameis. But I'm just telling you, the more and more beat writers out of New Orleans are coming. You live in New Orleans, you should know. They're yeah. all they're all spreading the propaganda right now that Taysom Hill's favored, and that scares if me. Taysom Hill outplays or outsnaps Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's career is over. That's just inexcusable. And the Saints will win seven games, six or seven games. If if Taysom Hill's this starting for the four, maybe maybe four. A discussion for another episode. Right. Number four is run CMC, Christian McCaffrey. He's number four. Had he been healthy, he could have been higher on this list. He was uber productive up until last season when he got hurt. I was wondering if he was human, the way he was playing up until injury last season. Just great in the past, great in the run game. Even pass protects well for his size. Uh, he's just an outstanding football player. Been doing it since Stanford. I'm a USC fan. I've been seeing him since Stanford. He's been giving me fits since Stanford. So I'm a big CMC fan, though. Number three, Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb called me crazy. He might be the best pure running back in the league. His vision, his ability to break tackles, his footwork, his pass protection. He's not real big in a pass game, but I think that's due to the fact that he's sharing time. And so why would you use him, you know, in a passing game when you have another running back that that does that a little bit better? You know, that's his specialty since he was in Kansas City, actually. But Nick Chubb, man, outstanding runner, uh, super productive guy, just has to stay healthy, just has to stay healthy. That's the biggest knock on him. Number two, self-explanatory, Delvin Cook, man, had 1,500 yards last year. Just speed, power, and he has power for that little side. And he runs in between the tackles really well at that and time. And he missed games. Yeah, 1,500 yards. And I think he missed two games, I think. I owned him it's, in fantasy. I felt like more than that. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous how talented this guy is. And in any normal year, he would have led the NFL in rushing. But he didn't because my number one is a freak of nature. Uh, we haven't seen anything like him since. Never. Uh, Derrick Henry is King Henry, man. He's that guy. I don't know how Tennessee keep landing guys that rush for 2,000 yards in the season. Shout out to Chris Johnson. Uh, Derrick Henry is just physical, speed, uh, power, vision. He doesn't offer you much in the passing game, but when you're that productive running the ball, who cares? So, all right, let's, let's, let's react to some of the things. I know we got to hurry up and go pretty quickly because we still have uh, interior D linemen to do. I, so I don't even want to talk about Michael not having Saquon Barkley on the list 
I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get into it. The biggest thing that I feel like I have to defend is not having Aaron Jones in there. And I know you guys probably disagree. Obviously you both had him in your top five. Um, he was seven for me. He was seven, he was seven for you. He was in yeah. Michael's top five. Yeah. And I, I really truly believe if Aaron Jones was taken out of the Green Bay system, the Green Bay line, the Green Bay pass game, I don't know that he would rush for a thousand yards anywhere else. I truly don't. Well, that's else? only your opinion. I mean, I, 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 this is about my opinion. I'm not saying that it's factual. I'm not saying that people can't disagree with that. I just feel like from what I've watched of Aaron Jones, first of all, I value field vision very highly for running backs and watching Aaron Jones last year was going to give me an aneurysm, especially in the playoffs, watching this man just put himself in linebackers hands, just, just giving himself up. And I, I just didn't understand it. It was irritating the crap out of me watching him in the playoffs. And then I felt like AJ Dillon would come in and he would give a spark. He wasn't the guy that they were going to give too many snaps to right away, but I, I just don't question, know. Question. Go ahead. You think Aaron Jones wouldn't get a thousand yards behind Indianapolis O line, behind his Colts O line? I mean, behind I don't know Cleveland? because I don't Colts. know because if Jonathan Taylor's biggest issue in the beginning of the year was vision, and he he fixed it, but like, I just I don't, don't even know. think it was vision. It was just the fact he was too antsy. It he wasn't was patient. Too I mean, antsy. He Jonathan patient. And, but Jonathan Taylor's biggest thing was I, at times I felt like it was because he was nervous. Like he, it was. Mm-hmm. He didn't know where to hit the hole fast enough because it's not exactly. just finding the hole. It's hitting it fast and hard where you're going to succeed at it. And Jonathan Taylor was worrying too much about where the hole was and not just going with his first instinct enough. And he was really like trying that. to just move piles, make big just hits and everything. I just thought he was focused. But yeah, too I mean, I'm, I'm going to stand by what I said. I don't think Aaron Jones rushes for a thousand yards as a Colts running back. I don't. Personally, I don't care about this running back debate, so we can move on. <laughs> I really, um, I really don't. Um, Destin, I'm mad that you didn't have Raymond Jones in your top 10, but you defended it. Michael, you had Antonio Gibson at number eight and no Saquon Barkley in your top 10. You're disgusting. And we're going to move on. Um, only thing I really feel like I have to defend is uh, probably Josh Jacobs, but that's a guy that's only been in the league two years, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. And I think... 20 touchdowns since he's been in the league rushing the ball. Uh, can't ask for more than that. And a Vegas offense that I really don't like. I don't feel like that's a creative offense at all. But that's neither here nor there. We have uh, one more position group that we're going to run through really quickly before we head on out of here. And we're going to start with Dustin because I believe Michael started the last one. So we're going to do interior D linemen. For honorable mentions, I'm going to say Jeffrey Simmons. I really wanted to have him in my top 10. I think he's special. I think he's going to be special. I think if you fast forward a year from now, he's in my list. But just with Titans fans, if for some reason they're listening, don't hate me. Honorable mention. At number, t- at number 10, I have Kenny Clark. Um, I think Kenny Clark is somebody who a lot of people have higher than that. I'm not going to lie. A lot of people have higher than a 10, I know. And I just think a lot of the guys I have above him – impact more on both the pass and run game that's the biggest reason i have him at 10 is because i believe if you're able to impact in both at a high level that's something that i feel like is hard harder than people give credit for at that position 
At nine, I have Quinnen Williams from the Jets. I, from his first year in the league, I was expecting more, and he, he did it in his second year. Took that leap that we, we needed to see. High effort, high boater guy. And number eight, I don't know if you guys will have him in yours, but I have Jonathan Allen um, from Washington. I love me some Jonathan Allen. I, I felt like for a good portion of the year last year that Jonathan Allen was the best player on that impressive defensive line in Washington. And I think he impacts both sides. At number seven, there's some debate on if he's an edge or interior, but he did go over 50% of his snaps in the interior last year, and that's Leonard Williams at number seven. I wish Leonard Williams could have found his way to the Colts. He was a guy that if he wouldn't get tagged, I wanted to bring in somehow, some way over the last couple of years. And he was on the trade block and went sent to the Jets from the Giants. I mean, to the Giants from the Jets. I love me some Leonard Williams. And at number six, I have Grady Jarrett from the Falcons. And, I mean, one of the best run-stopping, first and foremost, but also has splurts of just being special in the past game. So I have Grady Jarrett at six. Okay, Mike. Okay, so I'm going to be very honest about this. Mm -hmm. I do not care about the running back position, Okay. But when it comes to defense, any position in the defense, I watch film on that 10 times more than I do the offense. I'm just going to I'm going to say that I love the defensive side of the ball. So I have one honorable mention because this is a guy that has held down the fort for a long time. But because he's getting older, some production is sliding. So my honorable mention is Fletcher Cox because he's still doing a little bit of producing in Philadelphia. But number 10 for me is going to be out of Tampa Bay, Vita Vea. The guy is just stopping the run in Tampa Bay. He was very underrated. People kept talking about the pass rush, and rightfully, rightfully so on that Super Bowl run. But Vita Vea just didn't let anyone pass him. He really didn't. He just clogged the middle of the lane, all that good stuff. Number nine is going to be Akeem Hicks from Chicago. I mean, he does – what can I say about Akeem Nix, man? Come on now. Kenny Clark, again, he's just so disruptive at number eight. Disruptive any way you want to look at it, pass rushing, run game. He's just so disruptive. When I turn on the tape, he's one of the most disruptive defensive linemen out there in the game. When I'm looking at number seven, <laughs> Dustin thought he had me beat on this, but at number seven, I got Jonathan Allen. This guy out of Washington is just... He's just so good. I mean, that's why this is the best defensive line in the NFL. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, but Deron Payne with Jonathan Allen. The dude just, just disrupts every line he plays against. Pass rushing, rushing game. He clogs the, the gaps. He just, he has beautiful technique too. I don't think people talk about that enough. At number six, I have Grady Jarrett, a guy that I really wanted as a Colt. Great pass rush skills. I mean, Hell, maybe he could be a defensive end, but that extra weight has him on the interior. So that's going to be my 10 through six. Okay. Uh, my three, I have three honorable mentions, just like I have for running back. Uh, one is Quentin Williams. The other is Jonathan Allen. And the other one is Jeffrey Simmons. My uh, number 10 is Stephon Tuitt. Uh, absolutely love his game. The only reason he's so low at number 10 on my list is because that that Pittsburgh defensive line is so talented. 
I'm not quite sure how good he would be if he was placed among some average talent. I'm not sure how how good he would be. Uh, number nine is Fletcher Cox, who's tailed off a little bit, but is still extremely good at what he does. He's an OG in the game now. I, I have mad respect for Fletcher Cox. He was he was great for so long. Number eight is Vita Vey. You know, Mike spoke on, on what he has done for that Tampa Bay defense. They look like a different defense when he came back off of injury. And you could definitely see his impact on that Tampa Bay defensive front. Number seven is one of my favorite defensive tackles who I feel like don't get a lot of credit. And that's Kenny Clark. He's a young guy that I feel like is on an uprise, can be a star in the league if he keeps pro pro progressing, I must say projecting, if he keeps progressing at this level. That Green Bay defense as a whole has a lot of playmakers in it. And that's another conversation for another day, but he's one of those guys. Number six is Leonard Williams. Uh, 62 pressures last year alone. 62. That is just flat out dominant. And he was always scratching the surface of becoming this guy that he was last year. But last year, he finally put it all together, oddly enough, in a contract year, right? Coincidence? I think not. Leonard Williams, plus he's a Trojan, fight on. So to me, five through one, um, I'm still higher on this guy than you guys had him um, just because of how great he's been for so long. And I still think on a, on a defensive line that's just not that great in Philadelphia, I have Fletcher Cox at five. Um, just, just so disruptive, so strong. There, it, there's no interior linemen that I've seen him go up against one-on-one -on -one that have been able to take care of Fletcher Cox. Like I've seen some of these other guys get taken care of by some of the elite guards and centers in the NFL. Fl Fletcher Cox to me is just so disruptive still. Now maybe next year he's, he drops lower on this list. And do I think he's going to keep regressing probably, but to me, he's still top five at four. Um, I have Cameron Hayward. Cameron Hayward is still one of the only people to make Quentin Nelson look human in the NFL so far in Quentin Nelson's career. And Cameron Hayward's a guy that I love how he, he handles himself. I love how he, his game translates to both the run and pass game. So dynamic at three, I have Chris Jones, Chris Jones, what he's able to do on a defense that's just poor in my opinion in Kansas city. Um, is just disruptive. I, mean, I feel like that word you're just going to keep you hearing in the interior lineman discussion is disruptive. And Chris Jones is just so disruptive there, especially in the past game, uses that size to his, to his straight and is way faster than a guy his size should be. Really, really is. When I thought he was going to hit the open market, I would have given my left leg for Chris Jones. At number two, I have DeForest Buckner. To me, I think – DeForest Buckner is the closest to the guy at number one just because of his ability to do both in the run and pass game, his ability to beat double teams with ease and receive double teams at such a high rate, even when he was in San Francisco with one of the more talented defensive lines in football, was still the guy getting the most double teams, something that people don't understand and haven't looked at enough in that team that was in the Super Bowl. Buckner is known across the league as a guy that's that talented. And he's at number two for me, go Colts. And at number one, the best player on the defensive side of the ball that we've seen in our entire lifetime, both of us, all three of us, Aaron Donald. It shouldn't be hard. Don't try too hard to make him not number one. I'm talking to you, Michael. 
Um, <laughs> but Aaron Donald is unreal. He, he doesn't – it feels like he was created in a factory somewhere. And even that, it doesn't feel like, man, humans should be able to make something this, this amazing. It's called Cali's Weight Room. It's called something. But Aaron All Donald's right. at one for me. All right, so at number five, I'm a little disappointed that y'all didn't have this guy hired on your list because the defense he was on was absolutely pathetic. There was no one to be scared of on this defense, and that's Quinton Williams from the Jets. The guy consistently had double, triple teams. There was no one else to to worry about on that defense, and yet he was still disruptive. We talk about how we were robbed of Braden Smith versus T.J. Watt but Quentin Nelson versus Quentin Williams was one of the best one-on-one matchups I saw all year. And that was watching other games. Quentin Williams won a couple, but Quentin Nelson absolutely beat Quentin Williams on that Sunday. Quentin Williams is so disruptive run game, pass game. He shoots the gap. He's one of the most quickest in the NFL at shooting the gap. I mean, it's just unbelievable at number four, Chris Jones for me, uh, the pass rush, the rushing game, his length, he's got good length. I like it all. Uh, and like Destin said, when he was projected to hit the open market during the same offseason, we traded for DeForest Buckner, ended up getting that big contract from KC, rightfully so, definitely earned it, definitely worthy of it. And we ended up getting the player better player. So, hey, it all worked out. At number three, I got to have Cam Hayward, man. I think he's a little bit better in the run game than Chris Jones. Um, and I think for, for that, it amounts to something. It definitely made Pittsburgh a little, a lot more competitive on that defensive side of the ball as to where Chris Jones, if you take him off this defense, man, this defense is even worse than it already is. I mean, it's, it's just crazy, in my opinion, crazy overrated. It, it's not that good to me. But Cam Hayward is a guy that'll make any defense better. It'll ele- he'll elevate any other defense. Number two, this really should just be common sense at number uh, one and two. DeForest Buckner, for all the reasons Destin talked about, double, triple teams. He transformed this Colts defense. They were number one. And then in typical Matt Eberflus fashion, they fell in the last eight games of the season. Now, hopefully getting better talent in, getting consistent play, that won't happen anymore. So DeForest Buckner, I mean, we talked about it. He's going to be our leading sack guy, probably going to get 10 uh, strong. He clubs people out the way. He literally, I'm not going to say the word, but he pimp slaps guys out of his way. <laughs> That's literally what he does with them big biceps. And I'm telling you, man, if there's one player that I want to meet on this team, it's not Darius Leonard. It is DeForest Buckner because I love me some defense and I love it when a guy can just maul another man for $20 million a year. That is just, that's just crazy to me. And then obviously number one, the best player in the game of, in in the, in the game of football, Aaron Donald, so dominant, um, literally flips people in the air. Like it's WWE, Choke slams them, choke, choke slammed Ezekiel Elliott last year in week one. I mean, come on, man. This is easy. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that you just don't even, you know, you don't overthink it. You just go with it, you know. My number five is Grady Jarrett. 
a guy that's been productive on a bad, bad Falcons defense. Um, they've just been bad for a few years now. They're they, they void of talent, but he's been one of the few bright spots. Him and Deion Jones have been shining on that defense. I, I just love Grady Jarrett's game. He's, just, he's absolutely stout in the run game, and he flashes as a bass rusher. Number four is Cameron Haywood. Been dominant for so many years. It's no surprise here. Like I said, he could he could make a case for number three on my list. But number three, I'm going with Chris Jones. Just an absolute explosive pass rusher from the inside. He's a guy that gets upfield really, really quickly. He's he's pretty decent in a run game, but he's absolutely electric in a pass game and one of the few defensive tackle that can put up edge type numbers in a sack department. My number two is DeForest Buckner. DeForest Buckner, Defoe. Nah, nah. No need to elaborate on what Defoe brings to this defense. All of y'all are coach fans that's tuned into this. Y'all know what Defoe do. Aaron Donald is number one, the best defensive player I've ever seen play of my generation. Like, it's no debate at this point. Aaron Donald, man, he's the freaking nature. He's that guy. Had the pleasure of meeting a guy, great guy. As great a player as he is, he's that great of a person off the field. So shout. I would pay. I would pay Aaron Donald to choke slam me through a table. That that's how great. Just pay me, and I'll set it up. That sounds um, a little bit interesting. Um, If I saw that Craigslist ad, I may have to respond to it. Um, (laughs) Real quick, just before we talk a little bit about this before we head out, let's run back through all of our guys just so we have it fresh on our mind. I had honorable mention Jeffrey Simmons. I apologize. I didn't mention this guy first because I was using a screenshot and not my newest list, but I had honorable mention Vita Vea at 10, Kenny Clark at nine, Quentin Williams at eight, Jonathan Allen at seven, Leonard Williams at six, Grady Jarrett at five, Fletcher Cox at four, Cameron Hayward at three, Chris Jones at two, DeForest Buckner and one, the one and only Aaron Donald. All right. At uh, on mine, the only honorable mention I had was Fletcher Cox. Number ten, I had Via Veda. Number nine, Akeem Hicks. Number eight, Kenny Clark. Number seven, Jonathan Allen. Number six, Grady Jarrett. Number five, Quinnen Williams. Number four, Chris Jones. Number three, Cameron Hayward. Number two, DeForest Buckner. Number one, Aaron Donald. Honorable mentions: Quinnen Williams, Jonathan Allen, and Jeffrey Simmons. 10, Stefan Tuitt, 9, Fletcher Cox, 8, Vita Vey, 7, Kenny Clark, 6, Leonard Williams, 5, Grady Jarrett, 4, Cameron Haywood, 3, Chris Jones, 2, DeForest Buckner, 1, Aaron Donald. Uh, as far as you guys, let's go. I'm, I'm, I really don't have too many complaints. Like, I, everybody pretty much in the same realm. You know, these guys are so good. It's a bit subjective, you know, just based off what you like personally, how you want to rank them. Uh, Jonathan Allen being that high on Mike's list was probably the biggest shocker. But then again, it's not shocking because he's really talented. Like, he's a real talented guy on that defensive line. And I don't think he gets the proper credit he deserved because of what the edges sweat and young are doing over there but he's super talented man so i'm not surprised at all i think my biggest you had chris jones at five michael no i had him at a four four at four say. yeah that, that was really the only thing that i was shocked about was ha- was cameron hayward over chris jones i think i think they're close so i think it's not, it's not the biggest deal 
Um, I just think if you switch them positions, they switched them in situations and had Cameron Hayward in Kansas City and Chris Jones in Pittsburgh, that the Steelers would be better and I think the Chiefs would be worse. Um, oh, no opinion. doubt. No doubt. And that's really why, in the end, I, I had to flip them from three to four. But, I mean, like you said, very talented interior class right now in the NFL. Wait, wait, and... wait, 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 wait. So, no love for Grover Stewart? <sighs> he does nothing in the past game. That's why I can't put him <laughs> Hey, if he, if he comes out, he comes out and gives us six sacks this year, uh, he'll be on my list next year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good luck. There's going to be a lot of first down throws. Real <laughs> quick, real quick before we head out, special thanks to the Pat McAfee show for giving the Blue Stable a little shout out with their with their YouTube thumbnail using one of our writers, Austin, his Julio Jones jersey swap to the Colts on the episode he shared with Chris Ballard asking why oh, really? the Colts didn't trade for didn't trade for Julio Jones. He used a Blue Stable Julio Jones thing. Annie gave us credit in the thumbnail. It says via the blue stable. Really appreciated that. Um, it was from a few days back, about 10 days now. So I'm sorry we didn't notice it earlier. Um, usually I just watch the show and don't look at the thumbnail. That's the biggest issue there for me. Shout out Matt, Pat McAfee. Yeah, super thankful. WWE commentator Pat McAfee. Like, man, yeah. dude doing everything. Mr. Smackdown. All right, man. Is is there anything else that you guys wanted to say before we close the show? Oh wait, oh yeah. Uh, who do you guys have tomorrow in Game Six of the NBA Finals? I have a Bucks. I think this thing is over, man. Phoenix I'm going. I'm going. Suns. I need. I need. That's the one to be seven. I, I want seven games. I need man. This, seven. This, I need this series. It. This series may not be the big market teams, but man, dude, this has been one of the, it's a better series than it was last year in the bubble. See, uh, it that, was, the, that's the biggest thing right there. The people that gave so much crap to the small market finals, right. This has to go seven. This, so that we this, can see what ratings this got on seven teams, games. Both teams are giving everything they have, but I mean, Phoenix I re- blew two I, games down the stretch. I really want, this to go seven, but I think it ends in six because, dude, Chris Middleton is just on a different planet right now. Drew Holiday, these guys are really are, what's you, driving. Are you serious? Are you serious, Michael? This is a Colts podcast. We don't have to get into this too much. But this no, man, we gotta go. I gotta still, go. This, this man I can't even still deal with Michael. didn't Refuse. mention Giannis just now, but it's whatever. But hey, let's what? go. Bucks in seven is my prediction. I'm still okay if Chris Paul ends up with the, with the NBA Finals. Giannis or Chris Paul for Finals MVP. Mike is so sorry, man. He's so sorry. <laughs> What are hey, you hey, talking about? This is a conversation for Twitter, Michael. Planet? Michael, this is okay. a conversation for Twitter. Um, but Rashad, go ahead and send us out. <laughs> I want to thank y'all, man, for tuning in to another episode of the Blue Stable, the official coach podcast of Fansided, man. We thank y'all. We see y'all again next week. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.